We need to give a little background to 1 Kings 12, 21. Uh, it's a familiar story. Uh, Solomon had died. Rehoboam, his son, had taken the throne. And the people of Israel, the northern cities, which were uh, not as devoted to David as the people of Judah were, uh, came to Rehoboam with a request. Uh, your father was hard on us. He taxed us beyond measure. He, he disciplined us in uh, very uncomfortable ways. We would ask that you lighten our burden, uh, tax us less, discipline us less harshly, and uh, uh, if you will, we will serve you and serve you gladly uh, for all your life. Rehoboam had some older men. Are the older men always wiser than the younger? Uh, at least two instances that I remember they were. Uh, had some older men who counseled Rehoboam to do as they'd asked, lighten their loads, and uh, be a servant to them as leader, and you will, uh, and they'll be blessed, and they'll serve you for all your life. But he had some younger men who were counselors, who were eager and full of vigor, and they said, don't pay any attention to them. Uh, tell them that, uh, you, 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 that you will make their roads heavier than my father did. He disciplined you with whips. I'll discipline you with scorpions. Uh, my finger is bigger than my father's thigh. And uh, I, will, I will rule over you harshly. And uh, for not the first time in history or not the last, uh, foolish young man took young men's advice and counsel over that of older, wiser men, and that's what he said to the people of Israel. And they left in a huff, knew that Jeroboam, whom they had uh, honored before and who had been in Egypt for a time, had returned home, and so they entreated him to be king. He accepted and they announced to Rehoboam that Jeroboam now is our king, and we, the people of Israel, the ten tribes of the north, will not be subject to you and to the sons of David anymore. At that point, Rehoboam gathered up soldiers from his kingdom in Judah and uh, got them ready to fight to bring the uh, people of Israel back under uh, his dominion. And then we come to verse 21. Uh, When Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen warriors, to fight against the house of Israel to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God. You remember that man of God has become almost a kind of a technical term for a prophet. And many of the prophets are called man of God, as we have, as we have seen. Uh, the, the man of God to Shemaiah. I notice that the last three letters of Shemaiah are I-A-H. Uh, that's very common in those days because that's the first three letters of Yahweh, or the I Am, that appeared to uh, Moses at the burning bush and, and told who he was. So that would indicate that his parents or somebody who had ever named him were honoring uh, Yahweh, 
uh, and, and not Baal, and not the other gods of that day, uh, by giving him that, uh, that name. The word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God. He's a prophet, and therefore he hears God's word for others. Say to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people. Thus says the Lord, you shall not go up to fight against your relatives, the people of Israel. Every man return to his home, for this thing is from me. This thing he's talking about is that the ten northern tribes are taken away from the uh, sons of David, but that uh, the sons of David will continue to rule as he had promised over uh, Judah and the people of that part of the kingdom. Uh, Just a sidelight here. Uh, From the time of the divided kingdom on, the southern people are referred to as Judah. And that's where we get the term Jews. Uh, It's really kind of incorrect to speak of all the people of the children of Israel as Jews until it's limited to the tribe of Judah and the southern kingdom because that's where the term actually uh, came from. And uh, they listened to the word of the Lord and went home again according to the word of the Lord. So they believed what Shemaiah said. They believed that he was a prophet of God and they therefore did not go to war against Israel. And God said, this thing is from me. This division, as it has occurred, has occurred because of me, and I wanted it that way, and that's because uh, Rehoboam has acted foolishly and uh, uh, I've alienated uh, the ten tribes of the north. So now there is both Israel and Judah, as they're called, a uh, divided kingdom. When we go through the... Uh, Periods of history of the Jews. We start uh, with the uh, United Kingdom. That's the time of Saul, David, and Solomon, where all of them were together. Then the divided kingdom, which starts right here with Judah and Israel. And we go to the conquering of uh, the northern kingdom by Tigbath-Belezer and the Assyrian people carrying them away captive. And then there is Judah alone, as is the last of the... Uh, uh, periods of history as they're usually uh, uh, delineated. So we see here where the kingdom is divided and God said don't try to unite it. Uh, uh, stay in your tents and stay home. So uh, that's the situation then as we continue uh, from here. Second uh, Chronicles 11 verses 1 to 4 are basically the same words as we read in First uh, Kings uh, 14. First uh, Kings 12, excuse me. Uh, next we have a young man, young man of God, not named, and an old prophet, also not named, and an interesting and tragic story about them. This is found in verses, in chapters 13 and, and, and 14. Uh, It begins, Behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offering, and the man cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and he will sacrifice on you, the that's talking about the altar, on you, the priest of the high places who make offerings to you 
and human bone shall be burned upon you. And he gave a sign to that day saying, this is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. And that was a powerful prophecy against what was going on. God was displeased, of course, because Jeroboam had decided not to let the people continue to go to Jerusalem uh, to the temple to worship Jehovah. Because he said if they keep going there, they'll become accustomed to being under the house of David again, and and they may want to go back to the original uh, situation as it was. And so he set up new altars in Dan and Bethel. He still claimed to be worshiping Jehovah, the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt, but he did so with golden calves, representing the, the God Jehovah in the same way that the fertility gods of the Canaanites were represented. And that displeased the Lord, of course. Uh, we'll find later that he appreciates being worshipped with the golden calves better than them worshipping Baal. But he still recognizes it condemns them for that because it's clearly against what he had said. The second, what is it, the second of the Ten Commandments said, Thou shalt not make any graven image of anything that is on the earth uh, and fall down and worship it. So they were worshiping Jehovah still, but in a way that he had forbidden them to worship. It's important to worship the right God. It's also important to worship him in the way that he wants to be worshiped. So uh, this young man, uh, very boldly, unnamed, Unanimous, anonymous, anonymous person, anonymous man of God uh, came to uh, uh, Bethel and prophesied uh, against it. And when the king heard the saying of this man of God, he cried out against him and he pointed toward him and he said, seize that man. And then all of a sudden he couldn't bring his arm back. It was stiff, it was dead, he couldn't move it. So he then changed his tune. And he said, entreat the Lord for me, that my harm will be restored to me. And the young man of God did, and again he could move his arm and use it. And so he invited the young man then to uh, go to his house and take bread and food and have them have a conversation. And the young man of God very bravely and forthrightly before the king said, no, I can't do that. The Lord has told me to come into this land to prophesy against this uh, uh, altar and to return to my home by a way different than the way that I came and not to eat bread or drink water or anything while I'm in this land until I get back home. So refusing the word of the king, he started back home another way than the way that he had come. But there was an old prophet lived in the land. And the rest of the story will probably tell us why the Lord didn't use that old prophet instead of sending a young anonymous prophet from, uh, from Judah to prophesy. But uh, the old prophet heard what the young prophet had done, admired him for it, and uh, told his sons, uh, which way did he go? Asked his son, which way did he go? And they told him, he said, well, uh, 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 get my donkey, put my saddle on it, and I'm going to go catch him. So I suppose the young anonymous prophet was afoot and on a donkey he would be able to catch him perhaps before he got back home 
he found him a little bit uh, on the way under an oak tree, which may be the young man's first mistake to even sit and rest in that land. But uh, he found him there, and he invited him to come to his house and eat. And he told him, I am a prophet. And the Lord came to me and told me to tell you to come to my house and eat with me. And there's a very plain statement there. The Bible says he lied to him. But the young man believed the lie. And he went in with the old prophet to eat and drink, contrary to what God had told him. Uh, can't help but remembering, and Janice reminded me if I had been about to forget, that uh, the Lord told Paul, told the people through Paul, the prophet, the, the apostle, that after God says something, if we or an angel from heaven came down and told you something different, let him be accursed, and don't you believe it. And that's a powerful statement. I don't suppose it could happen or would happen these days, but just suppose that while we were involved in worship and the preacher was preaching something, and uh, all of a sudden an angel from heaven came down and stood behind the pulpit and, and proclaimed something different than what the apostles had taught in the word of God, we aren't to believe him. We turn away our ear from him. Uh, he will be accursed. And we are to continue to do what the Lord has told us to do. So the Lord's not going to tell us one thing personally and then tell us something else by somebody else is what the young man may have mistakenly did. He believed the old prophet and he went into him. The Lord appeared to him there and reminded him of what he had said and told him he would not get back home safely. So the young prophet, the young man of God, started at that time on the way home and uh, was met by a lion, and the lion killed him. Word later came to the old prophet that there was a man lying in the road. There was a lion beside him who had not eaten him or torn him up or eaten his donkey, and there was a donkey standing there with him. So the old prophet knew what had happened and went out to find him. He took his bones and buried them in his tomb. And he told his son, when I die, uh, bury me in the, this tomb with this young prophet. And uh, uh, the sons agreed to do so. I suppose by that, the old prophet was recognizing that he had cost the young man his life by the lie that he told him. And it should teach us not to believe a lie that in any way contrary to what God has said to us through scripture. Now that's an important lesson and one that this young man uh, learned very forcibly and helped us to know as well. Any comment about that? Any question about that? That's a fairly well-known uh, incident. I'd be surprised if you hadn't heard preaching on that from time to time. But it's a powerful lesson to believe what God says and not to believe anything else that anybody tells us that God has said when we have God's word itself for our uh, enlightenment. Comment or question? All right, First Corinthians, First Kings, fourteen, one to twenty. There's a prophecy against Jeroboam. In 14.1, at that time, this is Ahijah with an H, 
the son of Jeroboam fell sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise and disguise yourself that it might not be known that you are the wife of Jeroboam and go to Shiloh. Behold, Ahijah, the prophet, is there. Abijah and Ahijah. Only one letter difference between them, but they are obviously different names. And Abijah is the, uh, the prophet. Uh, Abijah the prophet is there who said that uh, I should be king over this people. Uh, take with you ten loaves, some cakes, and a jar of honey and go to him and he will tell you what should happen to the child. So Jeroboam's wife arose and went as he was told. Uh, but the Lord appeared through, uh, uh, to Ahijah to tell him that it was the wife of Jeroboam that was coming to see him and to be aware of that. But when she came near, he said, I know you're the wife of Jeroboam, and why have you come here pretending to be some, somebody else? And uh, she was, of course, flustered, but she said, because I have unwelcome news for you of the child that you're asking about, Will, will die and not live. And uh, that was, of course, not good news to, uh, to Jeroboam. But then Ahijah went on beyond that. Uh, well, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people and made you leader over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you and that you have it and yet you have not been like my servant David who kept my commandments and followed me with all of his heart doing only that which was right in my eyes. You have done evil above all that were before you and have gone and made for yourself other gods and metal images provoking me to anger and have cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I will bring harm upon the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam every male, both bond and free, in Israel and will burn up the house of Jeroboam as a man burns up dung until it's all gone. Anyone belonging to Jeroboam who dies in the city, the dogs will eat. And anyone who dies in the open country, the birds of the heaven shall eat, for the Lord has spoken it. Arise, therefore, and go to your house. When your feet enter the city, the child will die, and all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him, for the for he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave, because in him there is found something pleasing to the Lord the God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Moreover, the Lord will raise up for himself a king over Israel who will cut off all the house of Jeroboam today, and henceforth, the Lord will strike Israel as a reed, a shaken in the wind, and root up Israel out of this good land that he gave to their father and scatter them beyond the Euphrates because they have made them Asherahs, spoke provoking the Lord to anger. And he will give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he sinned and made Israel to sin. Uh, he not only then had made the golden calves, but according to this word, he had also set up uh, worship places to the Asherim, Asherah, singular of that, uh, for the people to go and worship. The Asherah 
is the male, the female counterpart of Baal. And we've learned from several sources how they are worshipped. Uh, the men go to the uh, worship Asherah, and they find their uh, cult female prostitutes. The men go to the house of Baal to worship, and they found, getting this backward, uh, Anyway, both men and women go, and they find cult prostitutes there, and they're not only female prostitutes, but also male prostitutes for those who are uh, participating in that kind of sex. And that's one reason why God spoke so strongly. Of course, he didn't want other gods to be worshipped anyway, but when they are worshipped with immorality, and when it's obviously the immorality that attracts them to those gods to be worshipped, then he pronounces a very strong curse upon them. He urges them to completely do away with those who practice that religion so that will not be tempting to them in later times. But always they fail. They leave those around, and then they find themselves tempted, go off after them, and the Lord has to punish them. And that's again what's happening uh, in, in this case. They have made their assurance, prolonging, provoking the Lord to anger, and he will give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he sinned and made Israel to sin. This Jeroboam, uh, through all the rest of the history of Israel, uh, is the Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. History calls him Jeroboam the first, and another Jeroboam, Jeroboam the second. But this is in the Bible is always Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and always, although sometimes they worship Baal. Sometimes they came back to the worship of Jehovah. Every king of Israel from now on has it said about him that he led Israel into the sins that Jeroboam the son of Nebat had caused Israel to sin and so displeased God the Lord. So this was a continual thing that lasted throughout the whole history of the land of Israel until they were taken away captive by the Assyrians beyond the Euphrates as he said and, uh, uh, and, 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 and no more recognized as a nation. Uh, the people scattered among the peoples and intermarried among the peoples and ceased to exist as a separate people because uh, the Lord was displeased with them. Any comment about that or any question about that? That's, a, that's just a, said over and over again, as you have heard, as we continue to read and look at the problems that we have for uh, these, these prophets. All right, look at 1 Kings 16, verses 1 to 7. And the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Anani, against Baasha, saying, Since I exalted you out of the dust and made you leader over my people Israel, and you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people Israel to sin, provoking me to anger with their sins. Behold, I will utterly sweep away Baasha and his house, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Anyone belonging to Baasha who dies in the city, the dogs will eat, and anyone who dies in the field, for the birds of heaven shall eat. That's a strong uh, condemnation of uh, that nation. Baasha was, of course, the king who began to rule after Jeroboam had died. He was the starter of the next dynasty. But uh, because he continued 
in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, because he continued to worship at Dan and Bethel in the golden, uh, the golden calves. Uh, his people would, would not reign after him, and his dynasty uh, would not last. Uh, God had blessed David, uh, and in doing so, had uh, promised that uh, one of his descendants would rule over the people of God forever. And that, of course, is now going on because Jesus is one of David's descendants and he rules over the Israel of God, the, the church, the people of God, and will do so forever. Well, that promise has, has come true. But no other dynasty was pleasing enough to God for him to even allow them to have a living dynasty for very long. Uh, it was considered a very... Uh, insulting and improper thing for a person who died not to be given the honorable burial that uh, kings and king's sons in particular were supposedly, custom, supposedly uh, deserved and, and were accustomed to in those days. And so when God says they'll not be buried and they'll be eaten by the beasts of the field or by the birds of the air, their bodies will... Uh, not be taken to a, a place and, and honorably buried as the king's sons are supposed to be. That's a, that's a great insult uh, to the dynasty and, and to the king. And yet the Lord says that's what will happen. And obviously as we go through the scripture, we find it does happen, just like God said that it would happen. Uh, Josiah did come along and, uh, and, and reign uh, just like Jehu had, had promised him that uh, that he would do. Uh, after that, it says, the rest of the acts of Baasha, what he did in his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Uh, we don't have that book. Uh, it's mentioned often uh, throughout here. Uh, we have the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah, uh, and it was inspired of God and left us as part of the canon. But this uh, record of the kings of Israel uh, that apparently was written by somebody uh, is not available uh, to us today. Baasha slept with his fathers and was buried at Tirzah, and Elah, his son, reigned in his place. Moreover, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Jehu, the son of Anana, against Baasha and his house, both because of all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger with the work of his hands in being like the house of Jeroboam, and also because he destroyed it. So uh, exactly as the prophet said, uh, Baasha ceased to reign. His son Elah, uh, uh, 1 Kings 16, verse 10, uh, began to reign, and Zimri came in and struck him down and killed him in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. King of Judah now has been reigning 27 years and has already been two or three dynasties in, uh, in Israel. And uh, uh, when he began to reign, as soon as he had seated himself on the throne, he struck down all the house of Baasha. He did not leave him a single male of his relatives or his friends. That's what uh, God had prophesied would happen of him. Uh, thus, Zimri destroyed all the house of Baasha according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke against Baasha by Jehu the prophet. For all the sins of Baasha and the sins of Elah, his son, <coughs> which they have sinned, 
in which they have made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Elah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? <coughs> but in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, Zimri reigned seven days in Tizra. The troops were encamped against uh, Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines, <coughs> and the troops were, who were encamped heard it and said, Zimri has conspired and he has uh, killed the king. Likewise, all Israel made Omni, the commander of the army, king over Israel that day. Uh, and Omni came up from Gibeoth and all Israel with him, and they besieged Tirzah. And when Zimri saw the city was taken, he went to the citadel of the king's house and burned the king's house over him with fire and died because of the sins that he committed, doing evil in the sight of the Lord, walking in the way of Jeroboam and his sin which he committed, making Israel to sin. The rest of the acts of Zimri and the conspiracy that he made, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? <coughs> so the dynasty of David continues steadily through uh, the kings of Judah and uh, kings of Israel uh, have dynasties short-lived. I think Zimri uh, reigned 10 days, wasn't it, or something like that. And, uh, uh, and then he, he was killed uh, as well. Uh, it's amazing to me that uh, David is so held out as an example of one who served the Lord with his whole heart and walked in the way that the Lord had told him to walk, most of the time not even mentioning the incident with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite. A couple of times when David is being held up that way and said to be, uh, said to have honored God with his whole heart and walked in the way in which I commanded him, except for, and mentions the uh, incident with Uriah and Bathsheba, but uh, most of the time he doesn't even mention that. I think of that in terms of the New Testament. Uh, the Bible says when our sins are taken before God and we've repented and he's forgiven us, as it obviously happened with regard to David, when Nathan came to him, he was very sorry, he repented, he wrote Psalm 51, which is one of the most eloquent uh, psalms of, uh, of, of sorrow for sin that has ever been written. And God accepted his sin and, and basically remembered his sin no more. It's forgotten. And oftentimes when he talks about him, it's as though that were forgotten. And I think there's a sense in which it, which it was. Uh, I remember a story about uh, Clara Barton who was the uh, founder of uh, the Red Cross and other uh, good works that took care of people who were needy, uh, in need of help and, and, uh, and, and nursing and, and doctoring. And uh, uh, somebody had uh, spoken against her and said very cruel things against her and against her character. But she had ignored it. And a little later, a friend of hers mentioned that and said, uh, uh, you remember what so-and-so had said about you and how she slandered you and called you all kinds of terrible names uh, back in whatever the year was, 
And uh, Sarah Barton said, well, no, I distinctly remember forgetting that. Uh, that's an interesting statement and something we need to remember sometime. We need to distinctly remember forgetting what some things have done to us or what has been done, uh, what we have done, when we can believe that God has blotted that out of his book of memory. That doesn't say that God had forgotten it from the person who did it. We don't know whether she or he ever repented or not. But uh, it does say a good thing about Clara Barton that uh, she would not hold a grudge and uh, indeed would forgive someone, forget the sins of someone who had uh, mistreated her and uh, uh, done her harm. Uh, again, any comment or question to this point? That brings us back then, chapter 17, to uh, Elijah, the Tishbite, as he comes to Ahab and uh, rules against him. And I confess that's all I prepared to do today. I thought it would take us a little longer. But uh, uh, one of the things that we need to remember from this is that there are anonymous prophets that are not even named, and there are prophets that are named that are never talked about, and most of us, maybe unless we read the Bible through and see it there, have never heard of. Names like uh, Shemaiah, Ahijah, and Jehu. Uh, Jehu's a prominent name, of course, because he was a king. But this is a different Jehu, and several centuries separated from the other one. But uh, God had his spokesman throughout the history of Israel and Judah and used them to prophesy what would come to pass. And in every instance, what they prophesied did indeed come to pass. Uh, the prophets we looked at today were all prophesying against Israel, the northern kingdom, for the sins that it continued in as they, to use the Bible language, continued in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he taught Israel to sin. Uh, that was a continuing thing from then on and always brought uh, calamity upon the ones who continued in it. Question or comment to this point? Anybody want to add anything? Yes. That's an excellent comment. And uh, God says often, you know, the Lord looks on the heart and man looks on the outward appearance. And there are many examples of that in the scripture. And one is David. Uh, another one that boggles my mind is Solomon. Not Solomon, Samson, uh, who uh, 
reading the story of Samson was a womanizer and uh, every bad thing you can say about a person. Uh, we do know his end, and we do know that at the end he uh, uh, prayed to the Lord and received his prayer answered. Uh, but then in Hebrews, he's listed among those who had the kind of faith that justifies, uh, clearly stating that we can expect to see Samson in heaven. And uh, I don't see anything in Samson's life recorded that would make that happen except for the fact that God looks on the heart and he knew what Samson's heart was when he died. And for that reason, he died uh, justified. That should be comforting to us. It shouldn't, be, shouldn't make grace into a license for sin, but it should make us aware of the fact that even though we do sin, and we do, that, that God looks on our hearts and uh, will measure us according uh, to our hearts and, uh, and, and how we serve him from the heart. And uh, that's a great great promise that we have from God. The grace of God uh, is, as we sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, amazing grace, undying love is uh, attributes of God, and we can rejoice in that. Any other comment or question? Those are good. All right, thank you very much.